The number you have dialed has been changed. The new number is... Please note, the new number is... Welcome to the Naked Hello podcast, Nico. Just tell me how do you pronounce your last name? The T has to be silent. Because <laughs> <laughs> I don't want What is silent? The T in your last no, name. No, it's... Silent. Or, or you actually pronounce... No, no. It's, it's Za. Za. T-Z. Is it Zagar? Yeah, it's Zagaraikis. 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 Yes, really good. See, his mother knows. See? Yes, stepmother. <laughs> mother, right? Stepmother. Stepmother. <laughs> cool. Yeah. So tell me more about the Zagar and Zagarakis, the, the thing that you've made, the AI, the healthcare product, the drug discovery, cool. AI thing that you've been developing with your company and that you're- Sure, asking. sure, sure. So, uh, so I have this company called Intulab. Uh, it exists the last four and a half years or so. Um, we've pivoted a lot, but mainly you can imagine it as, uh, as an AI company for healthcare uh, with, with the main difference uh, that we are not just doing a deep learning thing, you know, or an NLP thing, or just a search for literature and all these things that everyone is doing. And for me, it makes, makes no sense, to be honest. Um, so what, what we're doing basically is we're creating a core intelligence that um, emulates the way we humans understand, understand healthcare, basically. Uh, and the way it does that is through what is called uh, Bayesian networks, basically. Uh, our main customers are pharma, CROs, universities. Now we are we're getting in the robotics field. Uh, basically, you know, you've seen those small robots or the big ones with the screens and stuff like that. So um, Jagger, which is basically the, the, the name of our agent, uh, will be used for robots as the main intelligence for healthcare as a start. Because right now we are also uh, implementing uh, some training for general when I say general, I mean uh, environmental intelligence, which means imagine that there are some small robots that uh, need to understand where they are, right? Need to understand what they see, but they need to understand it in the way that we humans understand it because everything could be uh, something that a kid can play with. Uh, so to give you an example, you know, this is a bottle of water. Uh, what, that, what does this mean? What is water? You know, and so on and so forth how it connects to us being humans, uh, then how it relates to healthcare, how it could relate to a potential game, um, and, and many, many, many different ways of complexities that we, uh, that we see this. So the company is in London. I'm in Athens currently uh, because I'm stuck due to COVID, uh, but it's cool. I don't complain. Um, uh, yeah, and it's, it's going great. It's going great, especially uh, the last, six months or so, because we finally are at the stage that we can say that we have uh, basically the first Bayesian brain for healthcare. Uh, I, when I say first Bayesian brain, I mean the first thing that is what a theorized Bayesian brain is basically, which is um, a, a Bayesian intelligence that understands things based on computationally, uh, computational causality through condition and belief fractals, basically. So uh, the way that we humans understand um, 
for example, you know, you know, you know the the example of the, of the apple, right? They say so. The way that we humans understand an apple is basically um, through its shape, right? Through its color, through its taste, uh, through how it feels, how it smells. All these are conditions that compute the concept of the apple. And then you can go one step further, and you can say how we humans understand the apple pie, which is you know apples. And these apples are again, you know, these red things with this shape, and so on and so forth. And you can understand, you can imagine that we understand everything around us that way. So everything is uh, computational constructs um, that allow us to understand things based on our experience. Basically, so this is the, the reason why we are generally intelligent, which we're not. But that's that's a point that we can discuss later. Uh, the, the way, the reason why we're generally intelligent is because we do not see the bottle as a bottle or human says as just the label of a human, right? We, con we reconstruct it every time. Every time we, we talk about the concept, we constantly reconstruct things, which means that uh, we can use all the different conditions in multiple different domains in order to reconstruct new things. But they are not really new. It is just a different way to um, to explore the same things that we see in the environment. And we, we tend to create that, you know, that mystical esoteric thing that we are somehow intelligent, you know, or, you know, we are, we think that we are more intelligent than we are, basically. <laughs> That's the thing. Uh, and Zach, you can prove it, uh, which is awesome. And so this Bayesian brain that you're developing basically embodies like the physiological experience of how yes. body to, let's say, predict. Yes pathologies or, or any kind of yes like so yes so the idea is that the environment uh, so so right now you, you you are in an you are in multiple environments i should say as a human right uh, so you are in the external environment you have your your internal environment right and you also have your mind uh, when i say your internal i mean the way that the body feels uh yosha calls it in a specific uh way i'm, I'm not i'm not i don't remember correctly how he, how he calls that uh, it's the way that your body feels basically um, yeah, or proprioception. How? how? Sorry. Proprioception or kinesthesia. The the, uh, the the sense of the body. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He means that. So, and I also mean that. So, yes. So we can call it, you know, many different ways. Um, but we're talking about the same thing. So the the basically the uh, the feedback that we get from our body that it gives us that the impression that it's something, right? Uh, that something happens at some specific Body place. Map. Yes, yeah. Yes, exactly, exactly. So you can imagine that, that the algorithm, the agent, what it does is uh, it, it, its environment, it's uh, the whole human body and how it works. That's the environment. And what it tries, is, what it tries to do is it tries to understand uh, what it means, for example, to have a specific disease. What does it mean, right? Not just that, that uh, this is the specific disease, but what does it really mean to have a specific disease, right? Uh, for example, it means that you have uh, a specific pathogenes, pathogenisms in a specific uh, part of the body. So uh, for example, I don't know, um, your heart becomes pathogenic and it introduces a new symptom. And the symptom basically means that something different happens, you know, instead of the normal function. So what what Zagreb tries to do is it, all, it always tries to, to do a circle from uh, how the body works, how disease work, how therapies work, and it always tries to 
to solve the circle every time. Every time that's from body, normal function, disease, therapy, and then go back to the normal function, basically. Uh, and by that circle, we make Jagger to have that specific, uh, basically, reinforcement in mind, which basically is at every state of the environment, what you need to do is you need to solve that cycle. You need to solve it. So in order, to, in order for, the, for Jagger to solve it, it needs to understand specific aspects of the environment. To give you an example, what we did with COVID, right? Um, so in, on January 2020, last year, when the whole thing happened, uh, we were part of some groups, you know, in you know uh, some uh, hospitals in US, uh, some, uh, you know, um, anyway, big groups, uh, big companies. Uh, and what we did is, is was basically we gave Jagger uh, in order for us to be able to help, uh, you know, for free. Uh, because it was a good test for us as well. Uh, and the way that we make Zagier understand COVID, right? So COVID was a new thing. We didn't have anything about COVID. Uh, and we needed to make Zagier understand it. And the way that Zagier understood it is the same way that I can make you understand it. And I can, I can make it very practical. So what we told Zagier basically is that, you know what, COVID, so there's a new concept, COVID, okay? And it's basically... It's basically in the same family with SARS virus. So when I, tell, when I say that Jagger, it already creates a huge Bayesian network. It already does it. It can already understand many, many things. And then the next step that I did was, you know what, take these, I think it was around 5,000 papers uh, since January 2020 for COVID, something like that, I don't remember. Maybe, maybe a bit less, but I think it was 5,000. Anyway, we, we gave it some, a few thousand of papers. Uh, and we, the only thing that we told Zagier was, you know what, read these papers and readjust uh, what you understand about COVID. So what it did is it read the papers and it basically uh, uh, changed all the, all the connections that made no sense according to the papers. So it took, it took, it took out uh, everything about SARS that is not connected with COVID and not because it is not written in the papers, because... Uh, not because of that, but because of uh, because of the fact that Jagger created new Bayesian networks according to the papers, then merged these two, and it's already um, existing knowledge about COVID changed depending on how the mechanisms work. Because what Jagger tries to do is it tries from from gene level to the system level. Right. What it tries to do is it tries to solve every step computationally. So it needs to understand what happens in the previous and then in order to be able to predict what will happen in the next and the next and the next. And this is where the Bayesian thing comes. Right. Because everything, everything becomes a condition of a, everything. Be, things become become conditions of a specific belief. This belief becomes a condition of the next step and so on and so forth. So, yeah, this is roughly what Zagger is. Okay, so when you discover, let's say, the, uh, the environmental a priori knowledge, which, which is the data, which is the papers in this, uh, in this context, mm -hmm. how, how does the drug the come into play? And then the therapy part? Yeah, so, so uh, it's, not, it's not that, so Zagger already had the environment, right? It's not that it, it was able to create an arbitrary environment just by papers, because things need to make sense. And what makes sense means you need to have patterns that you recognize. So you need to already have a specific uh, perception of how the world works, right? 
And, and after that, what you do is you readjust based on how you understand that things work. So this, this is how it did it and, and, and it still does it. Uh, and so it, in, in the drug discovery aspect, what Zagi can do is, is that it can answer counterfactuals, uh, which is impossible with deep learning. Um, it's, it's only possible for very specific questions. If you have a very specific deep learning algorithm, uh, trained for a very specific question, you might be able to set up a, a type of a counterfactual, but it will be very limited. So what Jagger does is you can tell in the same way that we did with COVID, right? You can, we can tell Jagger, you know what? I have a headache, cool. I took this pill, okay? What if, I, what if I don't take this pill and I take this pill? What is going to happen then? And it does, it does not need to have that specific information. It only needs to see if it makes sense and where that it will lead because it understands how things work, basically. And it's not computational heavy, that's the amazing thing. It is, for us, it will be impossible to do it, uh, but it's not that computational heavy as we might think it is. It's, it's instant. All, all the answers of Jagger are almost instant. So like after, let's say, developing this whole model, how are you mm -hmm. going to make sure that it is implemented well, that this uh, software and this, this entire new Bayesian brain would be used mm -hmm. for, say, uh, correct and more uh, predictive, but predictive, but also like possible consequences. You know how we predict and there's obviously 50% chance that it would be okay or it won't be. So how are you going to, mm -hmm. every time it predicts it's, you know, the right, let's say the right assumption being made. Take my, my next statement as you like, but Dougie has never produced a false statement uh, because it's not that, it, it is not that it will give you something that makes no sense, right? Uh, because it, it cannot, it will tell you that they, I do not know. It will not tell you that, you know what, uh, this could happen unless, unless, uh, so we have, we have a specific function in Jagger, we, we call it novelty. And what it does is we, we say Jagger, you know what, scan all the diseases that exist out there and, and try to give us potential, um, cures based on what you already know, right? Uh, so we'll try to, to find the potential cure for Alzheimer's. So this, this is something that we're running right now. Uh, well, we might have some use. Uh, uh, so not, not yet, but in the very, very foreseeable future anyway. And basically the, the, way that, the, the way that it works is it cannot compute. It cannot compute a specific concept if it's not uh, based on the way that it understands that the body works, right? So it cannot tell you, you, you know why? So when the reasons why doctors, when you talk to them, right? The reasons why they, they do not make many outrageous mistakes when they try to predict things, right? Is because you are giving them uh, many conditions when you ask them things, right? You are telling them, you know what? I am 40 years old, right? I am a female, I am obese, right? I, I, I cannot eat a specific type of food because it messes with uh, my gut, right? Uh, if you say all these things, you are already eliminating, you know, much of the bias that the doctor might have. And not just that, it, it's not that you are eliminating bias. It is also that uh, you are making, you are guiding uh, the human doctor to, to go to the most possible um, diagnosis, right? Most probable, whatever. Um, let's say possible, the most possible diagnosis, right? 
So, um, so the idea is that it is not that you are just going to, if you just ask, okay, if you just ask Zagir, you know what? Um, I have this symptom, what do I have? The, the best thing that Zagir will tell you is that, you know what? I, I have these predictions for you, but I am missing conditions in its prediction. So what you need to do is you need to fill it out depending on what you have so that I will know uh, how, I, how I can become more confident. In, in the specific prediction that I can do for you. This is, this is a basis of, of the base theorem, basically, right? Um, is depending on the conditions, how high is the probability for specific beliefs? And also, uh, what, what conditions are missing in order for me to have a high, the highest confidence possible of something existing or not? So it's not, it's not a matter of achieving um, the highest, you know, uh, uh, accuracy or what have you, because it's not about accuracy. It's about computationally reconstructing what might happen. I don't know if that makes sense. So it's a different problem. It's not, it's not a problem of accuracy. It's a problem of uh, how, how the world works. Yeah, so it's also like restricting the, the data collected to be the precise yes. that the Bayesian variable Yes, yes, yes. How does like, yes. the attention framework come into play? Mm -hmm. All of this. Mm -hmm. So, so the attention framework is mainly in the in the research aspect, uh, you know, in the uh, consciousness stuff. But we also use attention in a specific way. Uh, so, so what Zagir does is, so we have we have something uh, a function called cognitive Q and A, basically, uh, which is you can discuss with Zagir, right? But it's not not in a chatbot manner. So it's not going to tell you hello, how are you, and all this. You know, uh, the weather is going to be, you know, oh, all these things that make you know, no contribution at all in what you want to say. So it's not a chatbot. It's not good in making discussions because that's not the point. But it's, it's, it's really good in, in diving in uh, depending on what you want to do, basically. So uh, to give you an example, um, let's say that I say to Jagger, you know what? I have Crohn's disease, right? I have Crohn's disease. So Jagger already, Jagger already predicts that uh, the attention should be in a specific disease and how it works, right? Next step, Jagger gives you, Jagger gives you, first of all, um, what are the conditions uh, in order for you to have Crohn's disease? You know, what are the symptoms, blah, blah, blah. Then you, you say to Jagger, you know what? I want to cure it. I want to test if I can cure it with a specific drug. Let's say Infliximab, it's a drug for Crohn's disease. Um, what Jagger will do is it will update the scope because, uh, you are now talking about a therapy, you know, how, how, the, how a specific therapy of Crohn's disease works. And it will ask you, it will tell you, you know what, now you're not telling me to focus on how the actual disease works, but you want me to focus on how to cure it. Is it okay? If you say yes, then Jagger will, will shift its attention towards to the therapeutic aspect of Crohn's disease using Infliximab. So what it does basically is, is it reconfigures uh, the paths, the, the uh, the needing pathways depending on its prediction. Uh, I mean, in the in the network, in the Bayesian network. So, so attention on that regard uh, is basically Jagger's understanding on where do you want to focus on, because it needs to understand that no matter what we will talk about later, I still want the connections. Everything that we will say needs to be connected to how uh, infliximab cures Crohn's disease. Right, because if you just leave it open, it will just give you all the different ways that everything is connected. Right, but if you focus it, 
then it always reshape its attention basically in 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 the specific uh, goal. But that's not how uh, attention works in the consciousness project. Interesting. So is this like attention framework, let's say in general, anywhere related to category theory or different? Yes. Okay. Yes, 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 yes. But in a different way, right? Because category theory creates uh, arbitrary words, worlds, right? Uh, so, which is not the case in, uh, in and, and you can also say that uh, category theory has to do with, um, you know, you know the, net, the, the, the networks that are created in category theory somehow uh, look like a Bayesian network, but the difference is that the Bayesian network is computational and the, the relationship, the relationship is always computational in the Bayesian networks. While in category theory, you can have, you know, any type of relationship. Uh, you can, you want basically in order to build um, the, these connections. Uh, so yeah, I know I know why you're asking. It's 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 a big it's a big uh, theme in Clubhouse the last month or so, <laughs> and, and basically it's it's the, it's the most interesting rooms are in category theory. Um, yeah. no, I understand category theory a bit. Is that it's 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 a graph with nodes where the nodes are objects and it's basically object relations. This is, of course, a very reduced understanding of what this entire theory is. But like, would you mind explaining the whole like category theory, but like also like not a highly computational word so that I can process and understand it for once? So, yeah, but uh, so I'm, I'm, not, I'm not really an expert on category theory, uh, but I, I know that the difference with, uh, with what, we, with what we, we are doing basically is that the connections that are creating so you can you can you can see uh in, in a in a group right in category theory you can see everything as as a graph right and and you can you can you can imagine it as some kind of fractal but it's not really fractal i mean in a physics way um so depending on depending on on what the relationships are you can see that there is the small circle but the larger the larger, the larger and so on and so forth uh so on that regard on that regard in, in, in the way that uh, a Bayesian network works. Uh, the, the main difference is that the way that we create the next group, you know, the larger one, and then the larger one, and then the larger one, the larger groups uh, are basically, um, so the larger groups do not exist if in, in, in the Bayesian networks, the larger groups do not exist if, if the uh, previous one groups do not exist as well, which means that in order, in order for you to, to have the larger group, you need to computationally um, go from, uh, you know, from the, the, the smaller one to, to the a bit larger one, basically. So, so the idea, the idea in, in, in the networks that we work on, right, in the graphs that we work on, is basically to reconstruct uh, the environment by creating um, computational uh, Clusters, let's say, groups um, of not not of not of um, of uh, how are they called? Uh, anyway, not of concepts that are in the same category. No, but of concepts that need to exist in order for a certain environment to be computed. Basically, this is how the, the graphing Jaggers network works, and this is also. Um, how you can represent how our mind works, basically, because the way the way that our complexity works is what we are constantly trying to compute things based on what we know, 
We never invent. We only discover, right? So you can you do not find things out of thin air. This doesn't exist. The, you you would call that magic, right? Um, so it doesn't exist. What you do is basically you connect the same things in different ways in order for you to see if what comes out of it is something that makes sense according to how you understand that the world works. This is definitely very interesting. I remember uh, look, reading the Medium article and I came across two neuroscientists, I think Julia Pearl and Carl Friston that you had mentioned. And I was wondering mm -hmm. if all neuroscientists or that even let's say computation experts like let's say Yosha, right? Uh, like who are you like more inspired by? And if you took any of yeah. these people's yes. then, you know, implement For sure. <laughs> yeah, yes. So, yeah. So, so the thing with Judea Perl, right, is that um, he's very inspiring in terms of pushing for uh, the need of Bayesian networks, right? That's he's very, very, uh, a very, very inspiring guy. Uh, but the thing is that he never tells you how to create those damn Bayesian networks. Um, so that that's a problem, right? That this is why we, we have the first Bayesian brain uh, because no one has created Bayesian networks. I mean, I mean, in a large enough environment that it can compute the way that the world works. Um, so, and, and that, that was the problem, but so the, the thing that Judea Perl did for us was to, to, to basically for me was to give me the idea of counterfactuals. So this was some, a very inspiring moment for me, uh, because it was then that I realized that the reason why we humans can ask counterfactuals is because we use the same mechanism for the counterfactuals. It is not that the counterfactuals is a new information that we do not have. We already have that information, but we just explore it, right? So, so what you need is basically a specific framework that will allow you to have counterfactuals. It is not that it's a magical processing power that we have out of thin air, right? It is, we're not even that, uh, that amazing in, com in computation, right? We're not that good uh, in computing things. Uh, but we, we are good in understanding our environment because this is how we learn. And also asterisk, we, it takes us years and years to make sense of little things, uh, which is something that uh, cognitive scientists very conveniently you know, ignore, uh, that we humans are, you know, are just a blob when, we, you know, when we're born, we're nothing. It's, we, we do not have any concept, anything. And we need to be taken care of, otherwise we will die. So, uh, so all these things need to make us understand that there is, a, there is a different concept at play here, is that in order for us to understand the world, what we do basically is we try to recreate it, to simulate things in our mind, right? This is what we're doing. We're, we're constantly simulating. We're constantly trying to predict. And this is where Carl Friston comes. Because what Carl Friesen tells you is what he tried to do basically. And I think he succeeded. Uh, he tried to understand if there is a general, um, uh, you know, if there is a general computational rule about uh, why uh, systems learn basically. And it was, it was the cost minimization thing, right? Uh, so error minimization, you can call it, a, you can call it as you like. So, so the idea is, uh, so in, in, in Jagger, right? What, what Jagger does is it tries to predict, it, it constantly tries to predict whether or not the pathways that it will choose will make sense, right? So what it does is it tries to minimize constantly. And as we go up and up 
in complexity, what it will do at, the, at first is it will try to run the lower levels of conditions. And as it go up, it will only run the highest levels. So what that makes you do is it makes you do very quick, very, very quick uh, computations without you needing to give you an idea, right? How, how do you know that it's a day or night? It's not that you, you run the calculations of Newton's law, right? It's, you do not do that. You have a very specific high level uh, conditions that are enough for you to compute and understand whether or not it's day or night. So it's the same, it's the same thing. Um, but in, in, in free energy, in the free energy principle, right? In, in Carl Friston theory, basically. Uh, the idea, and, it's, and it is the way that we are also building um, the, the conscious agent, right? We, we, all, you, we use that there as well. So, so the idea is that what we are trying to do is we are constantly trying to predict how we will feel uh, if the state of the environment changes in specific ways. And the feel is very important because it connects to our rewards and costs. This is what an emotion is, right? Uh, it, it makes you, it, it, it basically initiates actuators uh, that are connected towards the distribution value of a reward or a cost, which is the same line, right? It is just after uh, after a specific value, it's it's a reward. Before a specific value, it's always a cost. So you always try to go for uh, for the rewards, and this is why this is why uh, we m many of the times uh, we go we we choose things that are closer to lower costs than to higher rewards. So for us, for right, uh, and the reason why we do that is because it's the same distribution value. It's the same thing. So uh, what we need to do is basically we need to, to be sure that we will not go uh, below a, a certain value. And depending on how we are trained, we were go to have a very rewarding life or a very, uh, you know, uh, a very um, secure life where we try to not uh, have, you know, not, not to break our leg all the time, right? Uh, we, we are constantly careful uh, because this is how we understand the, the world, right? This is, this is basically our trained free energy is that we want to go, right? Uh, because we haven't really, um, uh, we, we are not really trained to go for um, the amazing feeling. No, we go for, to avoid the bad feeling. And it's weird, but it's not really. So yeah. So this is this is how. The, so um, Carl Friston, um, Judea Pearl are the main uh, influences in 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 helping me basically to explain what Jagger is because it didn't start that way. So we use uh, the Bayesian network thing because it's a good way to explain how Jagger works. But it's not that we chose to go for Bayesian networks. It started way differently. And, and then I just realized that, you know what, if I tell everyone that it's a Bayesian network, then they understand it. So it's cool. So this is, this is why we do it that way. It's just a way to, to make them understand. Mm -hmm. So one can say that like this uh, Bayesian brain is actively learning as well. Yes. It's becoming intelligent in, in some sense. Like it has a yes, yes. structure to it. So what yes. do you think about the emergence of, let's say, artificial general intelligence and then you know asi 
like what time frame do you think like if you were to predict let's say the ai future how would you mm-hmm. would you say how much time would you say the agi is going to take to be perfect to actually you know mm-hmm. agi proper one and then if mm-hmm. we have that agi how does you know this asi come into play which is you know nick bostrom's conceptualization that we might have a super intelligent agent in future mm-hmm. Of course, we need to have the general intelligence in order to get to the super intelligence. But mm-hmm. this is something that I've been observing in debates and conversations too. The people think that ASI would come so sooner, but we don't even have a you know a proper working fundamental basis for an AGI. Yes. So, like, yes. how you because you're working in the you know let's say cybernetic brain, Bayesian brain sort of you know space. Uh, it also reminds me of Anil Sage's paper about the cybernetic brain. Uh, and if you if, if you've read it, you can comment on that too. And so I wanted to know, like, if you were to predict, let's say, the AI future, how like how would you say would it, would would you say that um, when we have Neuralink, let's say, it would be first widespread use of you know AGI or ASI or you know the simple symbiosis of mind with the AI. Mm-hmm. So would you say it's you know we're already there in terms of AGI or it's going to take some time and also if you you know uh, commenting a bit on the cybernetic brain by analysis. So uh, so the the thing is we need first of all to 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 decide what do we mean when we say general uh, AGI what what do we mean when we say general intelligence right uh, because we need we need to understand what a general intelligence is basically. Um, so we humans are not really generally intelligent, right? We are intelligent enough to understand large, a large scope of the environment that we're trained in, right? And that's it. That's it. Uh, so if, what I mean by that is that if I take you to the environment of um, GPT-3, right? You will not know what to do. It doesn't make any sense for you, but GPT-3 will be better than you. So GPT-3 is already generally intelligent in its own environment. So GPT-3 is, is already a generally intelligent uh, agent, right? Jagger is a generally intelligent agent in its environment. So we need to understand what we mean when we say, uh, when are we going to have an AGI? Why, why am I saying this? Because uh, there are specific thresholds. Well, one threshold is, can we make an AI that understands our environment at least as good as us, right? And, and the, the big question mark for me on that is that, do you even have an AI that uh, uh, has the experience of, our, of the human environment? You do not. So the, there, there is no, um, the, we do not have any current research that tries to understand, that, that has an AI that tries to understand the, the human environment in the way that we humans understand it, right? So it's, it's a completely different thing to create an AI that can do predictions in a specific environment. And it's another thing to have an agent that understands things as we do in our own environment, right? So these are, these are two different things. Uh, we are working on 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 the on on the type of agent that understands its own environment, its, its environment in the same way that humans do. This is what we are doing, uh, but we are also working on ways that we can connect uh, the deep learning computational power with uh, Zagier's Bayesian networks. We are already working on that. Um, 
and this is something that we must be clear that uh, GPT-3 might, so to give you an example, right? Uh, let's say let's say that we reach GPT-10, okay? And in GPT-10, it is able to, it is basically able to figure out how to build, no, let's say that the question is, uh, can you build a, a time machine, right? And at the end of the output is yes. What you need to do now is you need to go to the model that GPT-10 created in order for you to, to understand at, at what types of laws it came up with, you know, laws of nature that allowed it to basically create the time machine. But we cannot do it because the way that it will understand its environment will be completely different than the way that we understand our environment. This is, this is basically the essence of a black box. This is why it is a black box because it, it creates models of its own environment in the way that it, it statistically understands. So it's a big difference. Uh, so what we need to do is we need to train agents in the same way, not in the same way, to train agents to understand the same environment as us. That's, that's, the, that's step number one uh, in order for us to do that. It's not far away, by the way. It's not that difficult to do it. It is just doesn't make much sense uh, business-wise right now. We are trying so much to make it make sense in Interlab. Uh, so, so it's so hard to, 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 you know, to, to make it make sense. If, if we are successful, right, and if we grow and grow, and I can afford to have like a team of 20 people just for R&D, uh, we will do it, definitely. We will go straight to analyzing all the different aspects of a human and basically grow a an AI baby, you know, where we, we will uh, make it learn different things. So I'm, I'm not saying that uh, deep learning is not, uh, doesn't work, but it is just, it does a different thing. It doesn't, it's not supposed to learn things like us. So it's not supposed to be an AGI in the way that we mean it. It is an AGI already in its own environment, right? So the idea is whether or not we can make it more complex environments. That, that's, that's, that's the whole point, right? Uh, we can, how can we introduce more complex environments? But the more complex environment, it is not going to be our environment because it will need a certain type of experience of the specific environment. I don't know if that makes sense. Uh, so that's the only way for us and a deep learning agent to basically be able to communicate. I'm not saying that we cannot mathematically uh, represent our environment. I'm just saying that it will be a different thing than what we understand. And there will be no way that we can communicate with each other. And that's, that's the worst scenario, to be honest, because you will, have, you, will have, you will have something that understands things amazingly, and you will not be able to basically communicate with it. Unless, unless you ask, you know what, how can you translate your models in a way that I understand them? But then in order to do it, it will need to already understand the environment in the same way that you do. So, yeah, I think that in, in the ten years from now, we will likely have um, an AI agent that, that understands uh, our environment the same way that we do. I think that it's a ten-year thing. Mm -hmm. So one could argue that this, let's say, this general intelligence within artificial intelligence could be this general reasoning component of human beings. But then there's also this point that intelligence is not only a cognitive. Like there, there's cognitive intelligence, there's experiential intelligence, mm -hmm. and emotional, and you know, there's a bunch of intelligences. 
And so when mm -hmm. we talk about, let's say, uh, an AGI and then what this general intelligence is, we have to like make a framework as to what this general means, as you said before. And so what do we mean? Yes, yeah. exactly. Be cognitive intelligence. It could be, as you said, you know, experiential intelligence, where you know there's uh, somewhat like this artificial intelligence is somewhat able to understand the subjective working of of, of uh, human beings with the environment, and and, and that situation mm -hmm. being, let's say, of course, mm -hmm. an objective entity that it is because it's computation, right? So like, mm -hmm. what are you like? So if, if we were to say, what is this general reasoning component? It could be purely cognitive because of you know, the computational structure. So how would one mm -hmm. put this experiential intelligence into a, a general intelligence? Is that possible or is that something that- Okay, perfect. Yes, yes, this is what we're trying to do, to be honest. Uh, what we're trying to do is we're trying to, to, to put Jair's uh, cognition basically on, on top of, of the attention models of GPT-3. So, so Jair will, will be, I, I'm, I'm not sure that it will work. Uh, in many ways, it didn't uh, imagine that you, that the the uh, of GPT-3 with the attention model, so it will have a bias. It will have a bias on top of how the world works while it is trained. So it is not just going to be that depends on how things co correlate with each other in a specific, uh, uh, you know, in specific data, but it will also be a bias that will basically force specific weights uh, that that decide what connects with what depending on how the world works. When I say how the world works, I mean depending on how we humans understand that the world works. So basically what you're trying to do is you're trying to connect the symbols that the uh, deep learning, the statistical uh, algorithm has and to, to connect the mathematical representations of, for example, uh, gravity, right? And the experience of gravity basically. So, yeah, so I think, I think that uh, the best way forward generally for AI would be to, for the symbolic computational symbolic AI to basically um, work side by side with the statistical deep learning side of AI. This is, this is how we will, we will go forward as fast as possible. Because um, if we, if, if we are able to communicate with how uh, the deep learning algorithm learns, right? So deep learning is much better at learning arbitrary things, right? But the Bayesian intelligence is much better to understand things like we do. So imagine if we, if we make the Bayesian intelligence to, to use uh, the deep learning uh, agent in a way that it will, it will understand, you know, it will take those mathematical connections that it needs to take depending on, on data, the statistical connections that it needs to take, to take, depending on data, and how these connections translate to human concepts. So on, on the example that I gave you with the time machine, right? Uh, if, if, if the answer at the end is yes, and Jagger is already there, you know, translating the models to how we understand things, we will have everything. And we will be able to understand all the models, basically. 
So, and it works the other way around. So the deep learning algorithm will be able to make Jaggerler and have, a, have an experience that it didn't have before. Because, because uh, you can translate the, different, the two different points of view, basically, of two different environments that correspond to the same thing. It's like having the mathematical, you know, E equals M squared, and also have energy, right? Um, as an experience. So, so this is how this is how I understand it. Mm -hmm. So one could also argue that this Bayes uh, processing system, or let's say Bayesian reasoning, is a very good component to form an AGI. If if this AGI mm -hmm. and if this general intelligence is experiential learning, because of the way it reads the data from the environment, mm -hmm. it's definitely a very good. Uh, let's say uh, a reasoning model for, for the AGI to actually emerge in future, mm -hmm. which is which is amazing because exactly exactly yeah. that's the point. Mm -hmm. So uh, like so you definitely are. That's the point. The point is that oh, no no I just wanted to say that that the the point is basically that um, you you have a way to guide the way that uh, a statistical agent learns. Mm -hmm. So we are already trying to create biases by statistical attention. So it's how GPT, how Transformer works, uh, how GPT-3 works basically. But it's just a statistical addition, which works, it's amazing, right? Because it, it, it changes its focus depending on what we're talking about, which is great. But imagine that, in the, imagine a way that the, the focus changes depending on how the environment works, right? How actually the actual environment works. I mean, our environment, not, not the deep learning agent environment. It's, it's two different environments. Mm -hmm. so, so, so it's like you create biases. When we talk about, let's say we mentioned Carl Friston and Judy Upper as, let's say, neuroscientists, do you take inspiration from, let's say, philosophers of uh, phenomenological schools because, you know, it's the study of experience itself. So if one was to understand and see, you know, where, how these predictive processing models work from a philosophical perspective, one might go to phenomenology and, and just see, you know, how the study of experience works. So, like, do you see uh, yourself as taking inspiration from any particular philosophers or, you know, even psychologists for, for certain, you know, cybernetic brain sort of models, uh, or is it completely focused on neuroscientists? So the thing is, yeah. So the thing is that uh, I was really fond of philosophy when I was a student uh, in high school. I loved it. I, I loved it. So, you know, we did ancient Greek philosophy, you know, also Immanuel Kant, you know, all, all the stuff, uh, you know, the classical stuff. Um, which, which was amazing uh, because it's, it's, it, gives you, it gives you basically the tickets to see the world in a different way. Not, not, not the ticket, but it gives, you, uh, it gives you the freedom to experience the world in a different way. Uh, this is what I love about philosophy, basically, is that it, is, it doesn't need to be uh, about what you experience, but it could be about uh, what you can imagine that the experience means, which is amazing. Um, but the thing is that, Ah, the problem is that you need to be very careful when you are building a framework, basically. That's the thing. Uh, so most, most of, the, of the way that we understand that the framework works, it comes out of the axioms of the actual framework. So it is not that, it is not that we chose, you know, uh, uh, right, like the things that we discussed with Abraham, right? Uh, it, it, it's, and all these amazing uh, parallels that we find, that we found so many, so many different parallels, uh, which was very, very surprising to be honest. Um, so, uh, but the the idea is that you need you need to have basically a specific framework that you decide on how things work, 
And then this framework will spit out uh, all the different uh, occasions that you need to figure out, right? So for example, how does the model of the cell come to be, right? Why, why do you, what, why, right? Uh, or or um, um, anyway, many, 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 many different aspects, many different aspects of it. Uh, so it, it is not for me, so I know Yosha is so much inspired by philosophy, um, but I need to be, I need to be the, a very deep dive there, I don't know, uh, in, in the framework thing, right? And, and how it really works, uh, I mean, practically, so that we will be able basically to, you know, to, to suddenly create it. But, but it's, so Minsky is a huge inspiration. So uh, I don't know if you can call him, you know, uh, um, whatever. I don't know, I don't know what, what uh, label you would give uh, because he's very practical. Uh, and it's amazing uh, how practical, but he writes amazingly. So um, Graziano is a huge inspiration for me, uh, which is a neuroscientist, not really, uh, and you could, you could call him a psychologist, I don't know. But the problem, so the problem is that you need to um, base the way that you see the framework working on, on, on specific practical aspects and not on the way that different philosophers describe things. That's, that's the issue. But the amazing thing that happens afterwards is that you find parallels with philosophers. Uh, and that's, that's, that's always beautiful. But it is not, so I'm not, I'm not that kind of person that, um, that would, would read many uh, different types of philosophers um, because I want to have a specific target and I want to try to see how, how things might work. But we do, I, I do get inspired on the way that some of the philosophers see things. I can't, right? How can't so how we model the world, right? Um, so that that was that was inspired inspiring in a sense that it gives you it gives you a clarity on you know what back then back then they figured out uh, they, no not figured out but they had the um, not just the time but they, they had actually the capacity to be able to understand how things might work right uh, and it's amazing and right now what we can do is we can simulate things and we can see if they work like that or not. So it is our duty that, to me, to be honest, do you know, do you know what my, my, my honest opinion is that most of the people should be doing simulations right now. Most of the people should simulate things because if most of the people simulated things, we would be fine. <laughs> Everything would be fine, uh, but we, we do not do it anyway. anyway. So yeah, so uh, I'm, not very, I'm not very helpful on that aspect. <laughs> of the philosophical quest. No, but you mentioned Marvin Minsky and uh, so me, Yosha, Roy, yeah. and a few people from Clubhouse. We do I know. Mine, yes. Yeah, and, and you should join. I know, I've never, I've never. Uh, and, and but Matt, I can't. The problem, the problem. Mm -hmm. Nice. Yeah, I so can't. The problem, the problem is that it's, it's a weird time. So emotions are, so Yosha loves emotions. Mm -hmm. Have you, have you taken this book? Uh, the micro microbes. No, I haven't. I haven't. I haven't yet. So it's so it's about so it's about it's about basically an emotional machine. Uh, it's how how emotions basically. Uh, it's a it's a very um, simple framework of uh, setting out how a, a machine would uh, work basically. But for me, to be honest, the best the best book that you can read 
to understand how things work is Gerd Lesser Bach. That's it for me. For me, it's it's the book that has everything. Have you have you read uh, Hofstadter's Gerd Lesser Bach? I've been no, I haven't. And people have been recommending. Oh my God, you should. That on Clubhouse all the time, like you have. And I think there's a there's a also there's a room that happens um, on Clubhouse, uh, and I think they're reading the book slowly. I'm not sure under which club it happens, but there's also okay the reading series on it on that one so which is very interesting again like one thing so in my mind when you were talking about um like the framework and and having a data is that when we put let's say you know your bayesian model which of course restricts the information mm -hmm. where it's precise in, in terms of data mm -hmm. so this a priori knowledge is reliable to to mm -hmm. a higher extent mm -hmm. but when we you know look at let's say other models of Bayesian theories out of let's say the cybernetic brain model. How how do we make sure that this a priori knowledge is in fact reliable? That it's not biased by you know our own psychical projections or or our own biases towards you know let's say environment. Um, of course, in terms of brain and healthcare, it seems very very precise that you know we can reduce and make you know a reliable a priori knowledge. But when we you know look mm -hmm. at the other computational projects or wherever this Bayesian model can be applied maybe to epistemology. Like how do we make sure that this a priori knowledge is 100% reliable? So I guess, I guess that's, that's the uh, garbage in garbage out uh, problem, right? Uh, so so it, de it depends on, so if, okay, if you're talking about a, a deep learning agent, there are many, many, many different checks that you can do that they are already happening. Uh, so it depends on what types of information you are using. So what are the data, uh, what type of algorithm, you are using, right? Um, what are your priors? But they're not really priors in deep learning. But uh, basically, what, what do you want to achieve? Uh, and what do you want the, uh, the output to be, right? What is, what is the, the accuracy that you're going for, basically? Uh, what are you trying to predict? Uh, so in, in, the Bayesian in, the, in the Bayesian way, what, what you're trying to do is basically uh, you're trying to uh, recreate a, a certain aspect of the world, right? If, if not the whole world. But what, what we're trying to do is you're, you're trying to recreate a specific a specific complexity of how the world works. So the best way to do it is to see if, if it breaks. Uh, so if the, if the complexity breaks, it could mean many things, but it means that you have done something wrong. So, so you can imagine, have you, have you heard about cellular automata, right? Uh, so, so what cellular automata does do is basically that they create higher level computations by a very, specific, a very simple rule. Uh, and they, they go, you know, and they scale. But at, at a point, depending on the rule, depending on the rules, right? At a point it breaks because it cannot support uh, the, the, the continuous creation of the, the, the expansion of the environment. So of the next aspects of the environment. So it needs to be able to support this because it is inherent in the computational algorithms. It is inherent uh, in the algorithm that um, the environment needs to be computed. And you know what types of things you expect, right? You, because, so, okay. So that problem could be after, after you get to a point where you, you cannot experience basically the, the level of complexity that the agent came out with, right? But you can test it. You can see if, on that, if that level leads you to specific uh, lower levels. So there are many, many different ways that you can do it. But the best way to do it is to see how it breaks. How, how it doesn't compute, right? If, if it, in specific aspects, it doesn't compute, that means that the way that it was built 
it is not uh, parallel to, on, on how, to how the specific environment works, because that's the important aspect. It is that the 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 uh, what the Bayesian uh, algorithm does is it 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 reconstructs the environment based on uh, computational connections of the different aspects of the environment. So you can see if the environment that it constructed was the same than you expected, right? And you get and if the computations after that, you know, the computations after that have to be true. Right, because the computation before were true, so they have to be true. It doesn't. It doesn't matter if they do exist, because then you need to see what type of uh, mechanism needs to support the specific environment. That's a different thing. I don't know if you understand what, I, what I'm saying. But so so it is not. It is not. Um, yeah, that, what I want to say is that it's not the Bayesian uh, problem. Is not an accurate. It's not an accuracy problem. It's a construction problem. It's a computational problem. So it's not an accuracy one, right? So it's it's not it's not that we're trying to predict depending on a specific input uh, what is the best output. We're trying to predict depending on conditions what are the beliefs that exist in a certain environment. So one can so, say yeah. carefully organizing an architecture or carefully constructing an architecture. And whenever I talk, mm -hmm. whenever I say the word architecture, I remember cognitive architectures and, and Yosha Buck, <laughs> of course. So I was, I was wondering, like, uh, of course, we both are fans of Yosha here. And so I was wondering what, what, what you admire most about him and, you know, what have you implemented? What words of his have you taken literally and implemented in your life? Um, so I don't know if you have seen um, his presentations, um, but he constantly talks about uh, how, how love is important. So I was struggling. Um, before I met Yosha, I was struggling with uh, the fear of death, for example. Not the fear, the thought of death. Uh, you know, I, I can, I, I, I'm used to be a person that tries to compute how things work. And I cannot, for the life of me, compute what would happen after, right? Um, I cannot, it doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. You know, it doesn't register non-existence, right? Uh, you know better than me what that means. <laughs> I mean, in terms of, you know, the philosophical ways that you can uh, explore that. Um, but, uh, and, and I was, I, I get bummed a lot. I used to get bummed a lot because of that. And just helped me a lot on, on that regard, because, um, I, I, I could see that I, he does yes, you know, he does also have his weird moments, right? He's a human. Um, he told me that it's not that it's perfect, but it makes no sense to, to think about something that you're not in it. So, so you, it's, like, it's like, can you imagine yourself uh, without... Um, that's my uh, way of understanding it. Right? It's not. It's not your sales word. Can you imagine yourself without um, oxygen support, um, eight thousand meters under the sea? Can you imagine that? Right? Can you basically you will get smashed by the water? But can can you imagine being there? You cannot. Right? You cannot imagine being there and leave. You cannot because you're not supposed to be there. You're not there. Right? So, so it is. It is a way. It, 
what what I what I needed to do basically is I needed to accept you do not have to compute you do not have to force uh, the model of the self in any type of environment. You you should not do it because it is like forcing uh, the idea that the model of the self is continuous, which is not. So I came up with many many different paradoxes when I tried to force myself to think uh, of of the existence after non-existence, basically. And there are so many paradoxes on how the world actually works. You know how the model of the self actually works. Uh, that makes no sense. So so he always makes me feel good about that. I mean Yosha uh, uh, in in the way that we discuss about what the model of the self is, basically. Uh, so that's that's a big one. Uh, what what I admire uh, and also love, right? Uh, the importance of of love because you know you can think many people think that they are smart, whatever that means. Uh, please do not ever talk to me about smart people and geniuses and stuff like that. It's ridiculous. Uh, none none of these things exist, right? So um, uh, anyway, uh, what what are you going to say? Uh, Oh yeah, you can you can say that the smart people, right, uh, understand that all that love is is just chemical things, right? Uh, but I I could also argue that the even smarter people will understand that you are part of a specific complexity, and love is a big one that makes you feel good. So why not do it, right? Uh, you 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 should be so if you. If you, if you understand, right, if you really grasp that you are just, just, you know, in a blink of an eye in the existence of the universe, you're just a structure of complexity that happened to observe itself, right? And there are specific things that you can do about it, right? Why not do them? Otherwise, why, why do you even exist, right? So, uh, so yeah, so he, he has helped me a lot. But what I admire in Yoshi, it's his capacity. That's what I admire. Uh, because my memory is shit, basically. Uh, I don't remember a thing. Uh, I forget everything, everything. I, I'm really bad at it because I'm very, I guess that it is because I'm very deep in things, uh, very, very deep. Um, and Yosha has to see things, you know, generally. I'm not saying that he's not deep, but he doesn't need to be, you know, consistently in a specific aspect um, because he finds it boring. Not, not the other way around, because he, he, he likes to solve the bigger picture, which is amazing. Uh, but his capacity is amazing. So the way, the, way that, the way that he has access to many, many aspects of his memory is, is amazing to me, uh, because I'm the other way around. I do not have any access. I, I have to struggle a lot to get out of however deep dive I have made in specific things that make me basically visualize in this, you know, this particular aspect of my memory and my imagination, how things, you know, work that will help me, you know, expand on the specific problem. And this makes you, you know, this makes you disconnected to, to the outer levels of how things work. And it's, I guess it's a choice, you know, I don't really mind, but I can see the problem in it. So, yeah. Yeah, so th these things, uh, I love him, I really do. Yeah, I, I do too. Um, I feel like he he's like the only one of the only leading cognitive scientists that I've um, talked to who actually understands that this human condition, which is complex, is not only made up of you know this cognitive architecture, 
but it also has an emotional architecture, or what he would call theory of emotions that specialized. Mm -hmm. And so, mm -hmm. as to you know, if you want to examine what it is to be a human, you ha you cannot you know decline the other psychical aspects or you know the freudian aspects and only concentrate on oh what's you know what's the neural connections and what are the how do the muscles yes. you know you have to have a total understanding of the entire human condition what what it means to have a physiology what it means to interact with the environment and then you know the subjective uh, experience that that a human condition entails so and then yosha tends to do that you know perfectly with his mixture of philosophy you know cognition yeah but the, the thing is mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah but the, the thing is that you have to have in mind that it's a complexity right you, you cannot just cherry pick what aspects of the complexity you want to, to to add the total causality on right so you cannot just say that uh this happens just because of these things not because of any of any other thing mm -hmm. right and it's the problem it's it's the problem with free will right that's it that's the issue that's the issue in law enforcement, right? It's because it's because we cannot uh, and we do not want to process the highest level of complexity and why things happen, right? And we just cherry picking and we say, you know what? He did it because he's crazy, right? He's a bad person, which is to me is ridiculous. You know, it used to drive me nuts, but I, I, I this is this is basically why I work on AI to be honest. Um, it's because it's because I I want to make people understand that the way that we the way that we we judge the other agents the other people it's not just catastrophic but it's dead wrong right because uh, because the problem is that we do not have the capacity we do not have the computational capacity to basically compute the, the all this causality right. Uh, and that's the problem. We cannot, and it's not economical. So what do we do, right? We say, you know what? We have better things to do. They are other five hundred thieves, whatever. So just put him in jail, and that's it. That's it. We are so bound by time, right? We're so bound by time, and by the fact that we exist for this fraction of the universe, that we can only afford. Uh, concentrating on very specific aspects of it and we we always pick and choose which is it's amazing to me to be honest it's i don't know it's it's amazing it's re amazingly ridiculous but yeah earlier i remember you mentioned i don't know <laughs> i don't know how do how do you see this problem when we said that the human condition is complex complex is like literally the only word to to describe mm -hmm. human condition because even if we are able to you know let's say pick yes. cognition emotion you know, physiology, biology, just like every other aspect, there's also like this, this interconnection, you know, between this physiology that, which is complex because it is fluid and because it has its own different, you know, way it yes. interacts with both these two nodes, but also the environment simultaneously and the human condition. So it's definitely very, very complex to exactly. completely grasp what it means to be a human for sure. Well, because, you know, cognition, emotion, the, the way, you know, cognition and emotion flow. Exactly. There are only two components of listening. There's so many different more components to being a you know, human. And so it definitely becomes, you know, way, way complex. Um, I remember you were, you mentioned earlier that everything's, uh, things should be simulated, that we need more simulation. And so I was wondering, mm -hmm. what do you think about the simulation mm -hmm. theory? Do you think we're in a simulation or we're not in a simulation? So, so we had, we had that discussion yesterday. Uh, 
And I, I, I cannot say, so no one can say that he or she believes that we are in a simulation. Uh, no, you cannot say that, but you cannot say that it's not a possibility, right? Uh, it's not a high one. Uh, I'm, I'm not saying that I believe it to be true, but the, 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 the very fact that we can actually create a simulated world that can potentially have the same questions that we have, you know, agents in there, that have the same questions that we have, is enough knowledge for me to, to, have, uh, to assign a certain possibility on the fact that we could also be simulated. Because it's the same pro, it's, it's the alien problem, right? It's the same one. It's the exact same problem. So the simulation theory problem with the alien problem is the same, right? We, we assume that aliens exist because we exist. And it's enough, it's enough to have a certain, aspect, a certain uh, value of possibility to, to say that there, there, there should be other types of life forms like us. And it's the same uh, in the simulation theory because of the fact that we can create a simulated world. We can also say that, you know what? If there could be, simulated worlds and we could be also a simulated one so for me it's enough it's in, that's enough uh, evidence to not evidence it's enough um nuances for for me to you know to to, under, to uh, uh guess uh what the possibility could be uh on um on us being in a simulated world. But the problem is that it doesn't answer anything, right? Uh, so so because, because what does it mean that you're simulated? It doesn't mean that you're not real, right? Uh, because reality then changes. So, that, so the fact that you're simulated does not mean that you're not real. Um, so it doesn't change anything, even if, it, so for me, the simulation theory, it's the same with the God theory. It doesn't, doesn't have any difference. So why, why is it different? Because the one uses technology and the other uses what, magic? I don't know, right? So, so for me, it's the same thing. It, 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 the simulation theory is just one of the one of the ways of us being something that was created, but it's close to the way that we know that we can create. Things. So yeah, for me, for me, that's that's the for for, for me, it doesn't it, it doesn't tell you anything new, right? It it only tells you that you know what there is there is a way of creation, and the way of creation is by creating basically a world. Uh, through bits, uh, and it's no different than creating a world in seven days, you know, from the Bible and you know all this crap. Uh, sorry, uh, but it is. Uh, so, <laughs> so, so, uh, so, yeah. Uh, for, for me, it is, it is not. It's no different. So, who knows? Who knows? And it doesn't. It, it doesn't solve anything. Also. I mean, you live in Athens, so what do you think about the whole Greek culture, Greek mythologies, the Roman Empire? Because I've never asked a Greek person, because I feel like you have such rich heritage. And I, and I was wondering what you think, like, well, what it means to be living in Athens, what it means to be building a cybernetic brain in, in, in a mm. country in Athens. And, you know, just tell me, tell me about how, how this Greek uh, life culture, European life, and how is your life there? And then what do you like? Yeah your environment and everything the thing the thing with uh the greek heritage is that it allows you to understand many things that you wouldn't um and what i mean is that so many sciences almost all of them uh use greek words uh that make you understand things <laughs> that you wouldn't so for example like things that you do not imagine that are greek like entomology right 
Entomology is the study of insects. Uh, endomo is an insect. Uh, endomo is is this? It's in the same from the same uh, basis like atomo, which is atom basically. Atom means that it cannot be uh, cut. Is what it means that you cannot go further. This is what atom meant basically. In you know, this is what the Greek, the ancient ones, not us, before us, um, predicted basically. Uh, so this is this is what it gives you. It gives you a general understanding because you are you are in a position of of grasping things that you're not supposed to grasp, which is good. It's amazing. Um, in terms of of the mythology, what is what is great, right? In 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 the way that uh, uh, mythology generally works, because it's no different in other um, you know other culture. Uh, the agency that people gave in specific aspects of the environment, right? Uh, the first thing that you try to predict is what aspects of the environment have agency. That's the first thing that you try to predict constantly is whether or not the bottle will start coming to me to kill me, right? That's the, the first thing that you try to do. Um, when, you know, when you, when you first see things, right? And we tend to see, to see agency in everything, right? In our car. We see agency, you know, in our uh, video game. We see agency in, I don't know, in the trees, which is, there are some sort of agents, but not in the way that we say it. So we see agency in the wind, right? In the tor in tornadoes, in hurricanes. Um, and that's, that's the amazing aspect of it, is that it's very clear. It's very clear how the human mind works. Uh, that what you're trying to do is you're trying to predict things. And you are signing agency on something very specific in order for you to be able to predict again, again because it's very new to you. And what is, what is uh, the closest to an agent that can do things is a human. So that makes you uh, anthropomorphize, whatever, I cannot even say it in, in English, uh, um, you know, to create, to, to basically humanize um, environmental complexities because the closest to an agent that you understand is a human. So gods were human-like, right? Because that's the closest thing that we understand of something that has agency, something that wants to do things, right? Something that wants to give us food, something that wants to destroy us, uh, something that wants us to be, you know, um, uh, to be bound to their will and stuff like that. So, so that's, that's, that's the amazing aspect. Uh, but generally, I'm in Athens. <laughs> I'm from Crete. I don't know if, I, if I've told you that. Uh, so I grew up uh, basically in a house that was... Um, five minutes walking from a six kilometer beach. Um, this was amazing always. Uh, so it has been, it is wild in, you know, during uh, the pandemic, but we are a healthcare company. So it's, it's cool. Uh, so it didn't really affect, it only affected positively our um, business, which is not a good thing. It's a bad thing, but it is what it is. Um, and, and basically, the, the reason why I'm, I'm also trying to do the, 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 the part-time research part is basically uh, because I feel that we, we are getting to a point with a company uh, here in Athens that we can start expanding. Uh, and it will be nice to have a bigger team here. Uh, and I, I also want to explore um, different ways of of, of AI and different aspects of AI that I really need to do uh, because I'm me, whatever, I cannot not do, it, not do them. 
Um, and also have time to, you know, to, to have my own band, you know, because I play guitar, uh, live shows here in Athens, which is fun, always fun. And also do, when I can, do some capoeira. I was doing the last four years, but the last year I have completely missed it because of COVID and also because of work. Um, but yeah, this is what I'm doing generally. I'm, I'm a very boring person. You know, I don't do drugs. I don't do, I don't smoke. I only drink beer and coffee. That's it. I don't, I, and I work, I work, I study. <laughs> and I'm in clubhouse from time to time. No, but I feel like you're probably one of the most interesting people I've met. Like you don't have to say that you're boring at all. I don't think you're boring at all. I think every time I talk to you, there's no, no I mean, I mean, it's, it's, it's pure, you know, like, <laughs> I mean, yeah, like, uh, yeah, I, I you're not a boring person at all. I mean, I'm a party pooper. That's what I mean. I'm, I'm so, so I used to, do, I used to party a lot in my bachelor. Right. Uh, but then I realized that I need to do things. So, and that was it. Uh, you will, you will understand. You will, you're yeah. getting there. Don't worry. You will understand. Yeah. I like I'm already getting there. Yeah. yeah you will. Papers and everything. Yes. You know, I feel like I'm getting to the more serious part of life now. It was just like, uh, like a shock, but we have to do it. You know, um, I was wondering, so what is your, yeah, yeah. You know, vision with let's say the Bayesian model that you have created. Oh, how far do you think is this going to go in terms of healthcare and drugs um, in the industry? So the next steps is we will try to. So what we're doing right now is we're implementing uh, intuition in um, in the Bayesian brain, basically, uh, and that helps a lot uh, because it will make it will make basically the agent to. Intuition in the sense that we understand it based on the framework. Uh, not, because I know, I know, we can talk about intuition in many different ways. <laughs> uh, and what that means is basically that the agent will be able to connect all the different higher level, higher concepts, different the, the, the higher level concepts with each other uh, in order to solve uh, problems that it, 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 it hasn't solved because it sees them in a different way. So there are millions of different connections, right? Millions in Jaguar's Bayesian network. And you can imagine that it is almost impossible to keep track on how Jaguar can find the different connections. So if it creates a structured intuition on how things work, and this, this makes you understand also the mechanism on why we have intuition, basically. Because if you, if you create a structured mechanism on how intuition works, it's not that you are very fast in, in, in getting uh, you know, the state of the environment and how that connects to a certain prediction on a reward or a cost. But it also makes you focus. It makes you ve focus very clearly on specific aspects of the environment. That's the important thing, is that you focus on, not, not about, I'm not talking about attention now. I'm talking about the connection of specific aspects of the environment that automatically, automatically make you have a specific uh, tendency towards a reward or a cost or towards a specific memory, right? So this allows the agent basically to have the same, to, to have a specific tendency towards uh, solutions for diseases, for symptoms and so on and so forth, depending on how it understands the structure of how things work in the bodies basically. So this is what we call intuition basically. So, so you go to the highest level of things and you say, you know what? Um, uh, you, you straightforwardly say, you know what, uh, infliximab cures Crohn's disease. That's very high level because you, you're just talking about the therapy. 
about uh, a specific word that uh, explains what the connection is, is a cure connection, is a therapeutic connection, uh, and the Crohn disease, and the disease, basically. So that's a very high uh, level connection. But what you can also do is you can describe the reasons of the therapeutic technique, of the therapeutic mechanism, not technique, the therapeutic mechanism in high, in high level uh, intuition um, uh, clusters, basically. So um, I, don't, I don't know if, that, if that's clear uh, because I'm not good at explaining this. Uh, so basically what that means is that you create shortcuts in the way that things work. So for example, let's say that there are specific, see, now, 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 now we connected. Uh, now now you, you got what I meant. So, uh, so basically what you do is, for example, there are, there are certain types of drugs, right? These drugs um, influence in a specific way, the body. This influence, this influence can be an intuitive mechanism that Zagier can understand, right? But it is a huge uh, fractal cluster on, on why things happen computationally. But you only care about the symbol of this intuition, of this fractal cluster. So what Zaire basically uh, does right now is it models, it models in clusters, in intuitive clusters, uh, the different aspects of the mechanism and why things happen, because it can use them for, in order to computationally solve other problems. Not because it will try to see how the gene and then the cell and then the chemical phenomena. No, no, because it will intuitively see that it works. And then if it, if it, if it suggests that it could work, then it can go straight down to, to the actual causality. But this will allow, will allow it to be more artistic, right? It, it allows you it gives you basically the computational, the processing freedom, not the computation, the processing freedom because you do not need to, to compute so many things. You do not need to process so many things. So it gives you the processing freedom to use aspects that you already know in different aspects of the environment. And it's amazing. Uh, and we, we are basically implementing that in order for us to figure out if we can solve things in, the, in, in Jagger's actual knowledge that Jagger does not know of, you know, new, new things. That's the, that's the issue. And the other thing that we're doing is we are symbolically connecting the way that we humans explain uh, how the body works uh, in, with language. And it's not, it's not an NLP thing. It's not a statistical thing at all. It's a purely logical one. So how the, um, basically how the computational generation of the environment translates to how we humans describe it, depending on what exists in that computation. So, so we, are all, we are also doing that because the biggest problem that we have is how we, we can communicate the vast complexity of Jagger's outputs to humans. Uh, you know, because Jagger can give you everything, uh, but that is not very helpful for you. You need the specific thing that, uh, in the way that you understand. So, so these are the two things that we're doing, um, basically, in the, in the new, in the new uh, uh, upgrades. And then what we will do is, uh, we will also, uh, we are also expanding uh, in different fields. Uh, so we, we are playing a little bit with um, electrical engineering. We're also playing a little bit with some, some robotic platforms. And what we're doing is we are making Jagger to learn how to play games that it has never played before just by describing them. So if you describe the game to Jagger, it will be able to play the game uh, just by the description of it. 
uh, in the same way that we do. So how do we learn a game, right? I describe you the game, then we play a couple of times and then you know how to play it, right? This is how you learn. And this is the same way that we're doing it. We are basically testing a, a Bayesian way to make an agent learn, but not uh, learn mathematically, but learn through experience, basically, which, which, which it does translate to mathematics. But the point is that the problem is not a mathematical one, it's an experience one. Um, yeah, this, these are some of the things that we're doing, uh, but these are, these are the main ones. It's like introducing the concept of intuition and cause and effect in general is going to have more mm -hmm. artistic, as you said, you know, like uh, consequences and, and, and conclusions out of, uh, out of the basic way that things operate. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is this is definitely very very interesting, and, and also the expansion part of it, because I think that then it's going to become more like you'll be able to very uh, like explore this model in a very diverse way and see whether you know all the options that you're exploring are going. Yes. To, if they do, then it's just like it's perfect that you can expand even more, and then you know this amazing theory is going to be everywhere. Um, so yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to how this you know in future plays out and in all of your work and. And thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It's always an honor to talk to you, Nikos, either on Clubhouse or here, anywhere. It's always an honor. Um, Come on. <laughs> yeah, you know, really, though, it's, it's pure information. I learn so much every time. I'm always happy uh, with the conversations we have. Um, so, yeah, thank you so nice. much for coming uh, on that's, the podcast. Yeah. That's nice. Mm -hmm. That's nice. That's nice. Thank you for having me. That's awesome. Of course, of course. <laughs>